You shot me. I can't believe it. They're giving you a medal for shooting me, you little prick. Harry, you told me to. But it's like, it's like the, expe- it's the exactly expected thing. And it is funny and it's enjoyable to get what you expect. Like, there is joy you, and there is to humor to it. Play that over and over. No? Is it playing over and over? <laughs> yeah, it's on a loop. Sorry, how's that? Did, did you just play the drums over me? Yeah, but it you didn't, just played it didn't the drums. Play yeah, for, for like a for like everything that you just said, it was like the first three I thought were intentional, and then I was like, no, he has uh, no idea. No, <laughs> I'm sorry for playing the drums over you. Uh, you're a trusted collaborator. Never... I shouldn't have drummed over you. <laughs> I will never forgive you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jesse, and we're the Dad Fathers, and we're coming at you with some speedy energy. We're, we're coming so fast. Whoa. <laughs> Can't stop. Can't stop. If we dip below 50, we will explode. That's how we're going to treat this podcast as well. If we dip below 50 words a second, we will explode. So we're cracking open a new miniseries listening to us right now. It's a Cars miniseries. This was Jesse's idea from what September of 2020? <laughs> yeah, it, it's something something like that. Like if you say dad movies, and you don't have a bunch of movies with cars in them, then what are we even doing? Yeah, you know, and it's a car- it's a great point. I think we talked about it in my backyard. With mm-hmm. like the night after we recorded the first Spider-Man episode, <laughs> way way back when, and you're like, we should do a car series. I said yes. <laughs> And now here we are like a year and nine months later doing it. <laughs> and um, you know what? It, it's worth the wait because dads and cars, like they've gone together since the, the dawn of time and cars. If you're a dad then, and you don't have like a, like a, like a car take, um, other dads will judge you. And they'll be like, I hope this family's okay. You know, they don't really have a strong male leader. <laughs> <laughs> You need one car fact to like get you through every car interaction. You need to like one thing about one engine that you can just pull out and other dads would be like, yeah, no, he's right about that. He's right about that though. The SRT does that. Mm -hmm." (laughs) The thing is I'm not very good with cars. I'll just say that right now, but I do admire them. Well, you see that's accepted as well. That's an accepted (laughs) thing. You just can't be, you can't have no opinion on cars. You know, you got to have something about cars that you know, so I, like you, Jesse, I also don't know much about cars. I also don't plan on it. I have a very physically and mechanically oriented uh, job and career. And something mm-hmm. I'm not interested at all is in a cars. Don't talk to me about cars. I could talk to you about how a car looks and like, it's cool when it goes vroom, vroom. Yeah. But like, that, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all well, I care about. Even if dads don't know anything about cars, one thing we all do know is driving. So I can talk forever about good driving practices. How to not mm. get into accidents. How to get into accidents. Sometimes I, more <laughs> instructional. I, I could spend an hour talking about what way to go, how to get places. Yes. Especially yeah. around LA. I'll call, um, I'll call you the Navidad because you're really about freeways, interchanges, how I, to get places. You know, the history of it is fascinating. It's fascinating to talk about like, well, you know, maybe at four o'clock on a Friday is not the time to go on the 405. That's right. And how it is the 405, not 405. Agreed. 
That's a very Californian thing to say. We're here to talk about speed, though, but you, you just brought up navigation, and, and we're here to talk about speed. And I there was this glaring thing that happened watching it this time around. Like, when they're on the freeway, and the freeway ends, and, you know, they have to, because this is the time before cell phones, so they get out the map, and they're like, it's there on the map. I'm like, I'm sorry. Anybody who lives in L.A., which is where they are, they know exactly what road work is going on on freeways at all times. There's no way nobody's going to know half the freeway is missing in this section. It really bothered me this time. Well, the thing is, though, the thing is, at the time, that's the 105 freeway. And at the time, it was under construction. It was being built. So people weren't driving on it, like, at that time. Uh, in the movie, like, no one was driving on the 105. And so they wouldn't know because it was under construction still, right? Like, so no one was like, oh, it's under construction because, like, the thing isn't there. Um, because it's like not complete. There's a hole in the freeway. I would so assume you would see nobody I, driving on it, so you would know. I, I well, would, they they I went would, on it because nobody was driving on it, right? They went they went on it because it was an abandoned construction site, right? But I, yeah, but that's this movie is logical. <laughs> that's I, I will thesis. argue this point to the death. There's no way they would get on that. It's okay if you want to. You know, it's not okay that you guys say that they would. No one would. No one would do that. I'm. I guess that's the sidebar. I'm ending the sidebar. So wait, wait. Sidebar. Sidebar ended. Oh wait. Sidebar reopened. Uh, I'm totally on Jesse's side. Sidebar ended. Um, uh, okay, but going forward. So this is speed. From Speed. 1994, directed by a man named Jan de Bont. Now, Jan is an interesting guy. I want to dive into this real quick. His directorial debut is this film, followed mm-hmm. by 1996's Twister. So one, two, out of the gate. He's doing something great. Then his third movie, Speed 2, Cruise Control. Yeesh. His fourth movie, The Haunting, a forgotten movie starring Liam Neeson. Yeesh. His fifth movie. Laura, oh wait, one, two, three. I can count five, five. Laura Croft, colon, Tomb Raider, hyphen, The Cradle of Life. Yeesh. <laughs> no other directorial credits since 2003. Oh, but he did Ooh. produce one of the best movies about a uh, dystopian future. Um, Minority Report. Made in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> Equilibrium. <laughs> Minority Report is what you meant to say. And he did produce it. <laughs> Oh, uh, he so produced yeah, Equilibrium? Uh, yeah. Minority Report, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so he is, he is listed as producer on Minority Report, Equilibrium, and SLC Punk. But before he became a director, he's been a cinematographer for a long time. He shot multiple movies for people like Paul Verhoeven. He shot for pe- like the Zucker Brothers. He shot for, uh, he's actually the cinematographer on Die Hard, on Lethal Weapon 3, on Basic Instinct, The Hunt for Red October, he had a really big career, even while he was starting to direct as well. So he's a very, like, if you're going to talk about 80s and 90s action cinema, you, you have, John DeBont is, Jan DeBont is a guy you have to mention. And I think mm. it's kind of cool we get to actually talk about him because his career really was, um, it begins in 1971 and it effectively ends in 1998 with uh, him producing um, SLC Punk. I think the the outlier of Equilibrium Minority Report in 2002 is is pretty weird. I don't know why he's listed as producer on either of those movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't look like anything that he does. But anyway, Jan DeBont, weird dude. What's up with Speed 2? I'm guessing it's terrible. I've never seen it. What happens in Speed 2? I've always wanted to know that. It's on a boat. It's on a boat. Oh, that's already stupid. 
It's on a boat. Uh, you can't. There is no. There's no Keanu Reeves, but Sandra Bullock does come back. You can't do anything on a boat. It's in the water. Like you just keep going out there. You just jump and off the boat. You gotta, you gotta dodge those whales, you know. Literally, what happens in speed is they're like, "All right, we got all the people off," and then it goes and it hits a plane and explodes. Like they didn't minimize collateral damage at all. They're just like, "All right, well, at least the people on the bus are safe." So with a boat, I mean, like Mike's saying, just you just get off. Drive like, out <laughs> in the middle of the ocean and jump off. If people oh, my- get off this, I will blow it up. Okay. <laughs> Sure, <laughs> do do it. Just jump at once. No, yeah. my my wife thought that that plane was full of people, and she was like, "What?" <laughs> like a huge. It was worse at the end, and I was like, "No, I think it was empty because they were towing it." And she's like, yeah. "Oh, okay, it was a car." Sense. It's it says on it. It says it's a cargo plane. It's like yeah, you know, like and, like and then general cargo. And then the remember the guy in the on the the tug thing. Yeah, you see the guy get off and run away after it blows. After up. it's like yeah, in a huge inferno. So you know it's that like, everyone oh, was okay. Yeah. Just, yeah, just millions of dollars of of lost assets, but that's okay. <laughs> oh yeah. But that's Jan de Bont. Uh, I don't know if anyone. I mean, I like Twister. Is anyone here like a diehard Twister fan? I, it was one that I grew up with. We had it VHS, and we'd watch it at my grandma's house, and we we loved it. It's it's a great action movie. Yeah, is that the one about the people who like chase like their their tornado? No, whispers? it's no, it's no. it's the movie about uh, about how they make the the game Twister. What? Yeah, it's it's they 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 talk about how no, they lay out not. the board no, and then not. everyone's it's not what no it is it's Bill not. Pullman it's there's not. like the steamy scene it's... where he you don't remember this with the oil everyone's exactly <laughs> what a great action movie <laughs> there is action all right all right is, is Twister does it involve volcanoes as well. No, volcanoes think, no it's like I in think, Kansas or something. I don't remember. You're thinking remember about the movie. movie Volcano. I probably am. There were a <laughs> lot that came out around that time. There was that. Natural like, Disasters. The Perfect Storm. Do you yeah. remember that one? Yeah. That was around then too. There was a lot of like Nat and there was an asteroid one where asteroids came at the Earth. They Even were back. all like in either like the first part of the 2000s or the late 90s. And it felt like they were all mashed together. Uh, so I know there's the perfect storm, which is kind of about like a hurricane, but only it, so far as it affects like one fishing boat. But I really wish that we could look back in like in 1997, the movie Hurricane starring like I'm thinking of this because of the movie The Hurricane stars Denzel Washington about the boxer. But if there was another movie called Hurricane that starred like a big budget star, it'd be like Twister, Hurricane, Armageddon. And then we'd have like a perfect trilogy of one word disaster movies where the movie's like name of disaster that's the movie that's the movie well i mean all right it's it does involve hurricanes but the day after tomorrow it's not one word in fact there's far too many words yeah because that's that's hurricanes tsunamis uh twisters and the ice age like yeah but it's all caused by three giant hurricanes that spread across the entire world superstorms that's right right. yes that's right superstorms that's, that's what they what call it. Super storms. <laughs> Super storm. I'm doing like the, the finger quotes like Dr. Evil. <laughs> Super storm. Okay. That's Yon yeah, DeBont. This is written by Graham Yost, who's also, I think, hmm. someone that should be mentioned because he's he's a big writer of these like 90s and, and 80s. Only actually only 90s action junkie movies. Like he wrote Speed, Broken Arrow, Speed 2, Firestorm, Hard Rain, 
Mission to Mars. He wrote the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. He has uncredited co-writing on that. He wrote two episodes of Band of Brothers. Hmm. He was around. He mostly does TV now. He, he's executive producer on Sneaky Pete. He's executive oh, yeah. producer on Justified. So he's, he's been around. Uh, but this is his first feature. Yeah, that he wrote. It's starring uh, the internet's favorite movie star, Keanu. Keanu Reeves. The man, the myth, the woe. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, man. Uh, I don't know if he needs if he needs any introduction. I think everyone's pretty well versed in the Keanu verse. But and as our villain here is played by Dennis Hopper, who I've I've loved for a long time. I remember seeing him when he's a young man in TV shows like Gunsmoke. Yeah. Um, he always plays like a weird kind of character. He's either like a perverted, demented bad guy, or he's like the strange buddy. Um, and he's usually deformed in some way. Like in this one, he's missing a finger. In Gunsmoke, he had a really bad limp. Like he's in that, like in like Blue Velvet, he's he's like huffing nitrous oxide. Like he's oh, there's something wrong with Dennis Hopper if he's in a movie. <laughs> Mike, since you're the only one who's seen it, how much drugs did he ingest in Easy Rider? My gosh, I mean, all of them, all of the drugs, <laughs> all of the drugs were ingested by everyone in Easy Rider. Was it like that scene in Inherent Vice when Bigfoot Bjornsson like picks up <laughs> yes, the plate yeah. of weed and just, just eats like, it? He eats it all, pretty much. That's that's Easy Rider. <laughs> nice. Um, but Dennis Hopper's been around for just a long, long time. Hollywood royalty. Credits too big to mention, but I mean, maybe like we can mention he's in The Gunfight at OK Corral in 1957. Sons of Katie Elder. Mm. Cool ah. Hand Luke we talked about. Uh, the original True Grit. Um, Apocalypse Now. Uh, Blue Velvet. Hoosiers. Um, true Romance. I don't Do you guys have a favorite Dennis Hopper? He's pretty legendary. He's Dennis Hopper. Legend. But we also have here, in a, a pretty young role for her, we have Sandra Bullock. Sandy B. Sandy B. Uh, one of the most charming, lovely actresses that has that has graced the screen. She had a couple credits before this. I mean, she's in Demolition Man, which is a movie that maybe only I really care about. Not really anything else, but after this, of course, everyone knows her for everything that she's done that we all know. I mean, Sandra Bullock. Her mm-hmm. name is synonymous with mostly rom-coms. But she does have range. She's been trying to show that range recently. Like, I think we've talked about Bird Box, right? I don't know if we've I talked think about only it. amongst ourselves. Uh, yeah. yeah, she's in Bird Box. That's the last real thing I've seen her in. I know she's been in a couple movies this year. What? The Lost Oh, The City? Lost City. Yeah, which made like an unbelievable amount of money. And everyone was really mm-hmm. surprised by that. And, uh, and she will be in... Uh, What's the train? Bullet train. Bullet train. train. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for bullet train. That looks like it's going to be great. Yeah. 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 Brad Pitt, bucket hat. Totally on board. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have, uh, this is a special shout out to Sir, because we only mentioned him very briefly in our Terminator 2 pod. But we have Joe Morton here. I, we got some pushback from, from our lovely friend, Sir, who was real pissed at us for not talking more about Joe Morton when we did Terminator 2. So we got to mention Joe Morton here. He's, I don't know, what's what's his character name in here? Let me look it up. It's uh, Captain McMahon. Uh, no, it's, what? No, it's Lieutenant Herb Mac McMahon. What are you talking about? Oh, that is McMahon. McMahon? It's M-C-M-A-H-O-N. Maybe it oh, sounded okay. like Mac. I know someone with that last name, and he, it's, we, they pronounce it McMahon, but I, oh, I'm guessing there's maybe different they ways. Uh, you're probably right, Dan. I, I'm I need sorry to rewatch the movie right now. 
put it back on. <laughs> Wait a second. He was like who, who? a lieutenant who was like not right very often. Is it McMahon he wasn't, or he, Mac he, Mahone? Crying out loud, I gotta look this up. Why <laughs> no, are we, we, why didn't we do a watch along of speed instead of (laughs) Morbius? Morbius. (laughs) Why didn't we do that? It's in time. (laughs) It's speed in time. Uh, But it's Joe Morton. He's fantastic. And in this movie, he actually has my favorite line of anyone. It's, it's when he, when they figure out that the freeway is running out and then Joe Morton just said, you're fired. Everybody's (laughs) fired. (laughs) Uh, it also stars a uh, legendary action movie star, Jeff Daniels. Who's <laughs> great. I love that moment in the movie where he where he stands up. He's kind of drunk. He's like, all right, I'm going to go home, have some sex, go to bed. And they said, you're going to go home and puke. And he said, good time either way. <laughs> passes out. Um, he, you know, he's been on this podcast a lot. He was in 101 Dalmatians. This is true. And he was in, uh, you know, Dumb and Dumber. Yes. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like we've seen him more as well. What, what else? What else? I'm, I'm scanning. Jesse, do you have an answer for us? Uh, it's McMahon. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. right. I'm sorry, Dan. I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> I, I feel like, I mean, am I ever not right? I, <laughs> I mean, one look at your letterbox scores. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Got a bone to pick with you on some of those. Uh, no, but this is, you're right, uh, Mike, this is his third appearance. Uh, Jeff Daniels' third appearance yeah. on our show. Wait, um, it's a third appearance? I Sorry, I missed that completely because I was looking up McMahon. 101 Dalmatians and Dumb and Dumber. Yep. Oh! Which came out oh. the same year as Speed. Yep. Two great action movies about driving. Yes. In one year. That's, that's a good call. Uh, Do we ever talk about Joe Morton more than the, the character's name that he plays in this movie? No. Um, I just shared that my favorite <laughs> quote from the movie was from him. Yeah. And then uh, we did go over his credits in the Terminator 2 episode. I'd like to uh, reach back out to Sir and kind of say, like, what did you want? Like, he's great. He's yeah, fantastic. He's I love great. him. He's he has got, my favorite line in the movie. Mustache. It's fantastic. So, I don't know. Ship off. Uh, but it is his uh, first, second. This is his third appearance on the on the show too, as he was also in. I mean, I guess we didn't do an official episode on it, but he's also in Godzilla: King of Monsters. So we mentioned that when we did Godzilla versus oh, yeah. Kong. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> mm. Mm, Jesse said, as he, "He's like I spent seven hours of my life watching those stupid movies." <laughs> I really did. It wasn't <laughs> worth it. You know what? I don't really regret it. I will just say hmm about it the rest of my life, though. <laughs> it was it was great to come together. Uh, the last person I wanted to mention is Alan Ruck. You might remember him as Cameron Fry from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Always love seeing him. Uh, this is his first time on the show, as we have not done Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Well, but we have mentioned Succession many times, and he is exactly yes. Oh yes, um, him yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's a brother. He's a, the son that everybody forgets about. Yeah, um, he's also I really like him in uh, in Ghost Town. He's very good in Ghost Town, a movie that I really like. He's he's great, and he has he has that great line in this movie because he's kind of like the yokel from out of town. When uh, Keanu something bad happens, Keanu's like, "Oh f- me," and then he says, "Oh darn." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love these. I, I love all these lines. They're great. Um, but that's who I have for our cast and crew, and I wanted to pass off the nostalgia uh, baton to Jesse or Dan. I feel like one of you guys has some pretty deep nostalgia for this one. Uh, yeah, it, it runs pretty deep for me. 
uh, I guess probably seeing it when I was like, I don't know, eight or nine. It came up a lot on TNT. You guys remember TNT? That was basically like uh, the action movie channel. Dynamite. Yeah, I'm very familiar with Dynamite. That's a stupid joke. It's uh, TNT. (laughs) (laughs) TNT, you know what? I'm not going to explain what it was. (laughs) I think it's technically still around. Is it? Do people still? I I think so, yeah. What does it do? What does TNT do? It's Netflix, but it chooses what you're going to (laughs) watch. What an interesting idea. And then, and then an every, interesting new co- Can I every, invest? Every 20 minutes, it gives you 12 minutes of commercials. Every 20 minutes. Guaranteed. It is. It was the worst for commercials. But uh, yeah, that, I think that's where I first came into contact with Speed. Uh, I loved it as a little kid. This was amazing. Because, frankly, it just wasn't complicated. And I totally got it. Like, I got the urgency. Like, yes, the bus will blow up. You must go fast. It's so simple, and this movie really lives up to its premise. They're just they're just trying to go fast. They're trying to speed along the freeway. Not even speed, actually. They're just trying to go fifty miles an hour, which is probably five miles an hour below whatever they were asking for at the time. Wait a second. These are California freeways. This the speed limit sixty five. Why are they driving in the left lane? Yeah. Yeah, this is this it, is a good it, nitpick, it, actually. It was well, it was the nineties. I was thinking about that too. I was like, fifty is nothing. Like we drive seventy-five <laughs> as, as like like easily, right? You know, uh, I, I don't know if if, if maybe if they, back if in the nineties, if they like cleared 50. traffic out, you could go fifty until your car literally ran out of gas, and it wouldn't be a problem. That's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you could just go and go. Yeah. I mean, it's a bus. It has terrible gas mileage. It should be done pretty quickly. And also, fifty might even make your gas mileage worse because it's fifty. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bus. And it's a bus. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. I mean, the, the biggest obstacle is the the rush hour, right? Like the traffic, mm-hmm. cars getting in the way, people with their, you know, baby carriages full of soda. Like all this stuff is going to get in the way, and that's what the real danger is. Like the speed itself is not that fast, but it's more like you can't stop. Even which, which, they, which they fix, which they fix like 10 minutes into the chase, right? Like they, they yeah. and then it's just, then it's just straight. Just keep it straight. Just got to get on the, on the 105. Just get, take the 105 and then get to LAX so that you can just drive around uh, a runway mm-hmm. yeah. until the bus explodes. Yeah. That was I, another line I liked by Alan Ruck where he's like, but I've already seen the airport. That <laughs> 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 was great. Um, that, that, yeah. that, actually, I wish I wish Jesse I could show my daughter this movie on TNT because then the f words are out. Yeah, and then like any of like the the shocking kind of violence is also out because like when when the when the part when the the really annoying lady who plays um, Dwight's babysitter in the office is is there? What? She, she's yeah. trying to leave oh, the bus. Right. And it blows up. Just run over. It's really upsetting, upsetting, but I feel like made on on a TV, edited for TV, that would just be fine. Yeah, I I don't remember that scene being edited out at all when when I was eight or nine. I but like the scene is vague enough where like you briefly see her and you're like, oh, what happened? And then I think you see her body rolling. Maybe that part rolling after the bus was was cut out, but I remember that still being there. Um, and that was the most upsetting part of the movie by far for me. Cause like, Oh no, an innocent person just died. That doesn't happen. 
Uh, you can't do that in a movie. I very much took outrage of, at that when I was younger. But yeah, it's just, it's a simple, fun time. And I think this movie and there's a few other cheesy ones. I think we were even kind of mentioning them, like the, the natural disaster movies and these uh, blockbusters from the 90s that kind of like molded my idea of what movies are and what they should be. And this was definitely integral to that. Yeah, that's that's my deep nostalgia for for Speed, the Keanu Reeves movie. Awesome. D- Dan, do you share this nostalgia? I had not seen this movie like start to finish before yesterday. I had seen like parts of it. Um, I know I've heard people talk about this movie a million times in my life. All my older siblings, I think, saw it because I remember them always mentioning it. And I know I've seen clips of it throughout my <clears throat> lifetime, probably like 10 minutes here or probably on on TV, on TNT, but I hadn't seen, like I had never seen the entire beginning part with the elevator, um, which was a, an amazing sequence. Like I, I love that. I, it was an incredible setup for the movie. Like I was expecting the first scene to be Keanu Reeves getting on a bus. I thought that was how the movie was going to start. And then it was going to, you know, pick up from there. Um, so seeing all that set up with him and his character and setting up the villain that way was really, really cool. Yeah, I, I kind of I share the nostalgia, though, for these kinds of 90s movies, for sure, um, where they're kind of a little over the top, but not too much, like just the right amount and really, really enjoyable. The really like kind of cheesy lines, but you love them because they're cheesy and uh, you wouldn't have them any other way. I, I definitely love that stuff. And that that felt very much like I felt very nostalgic during those moments like a lot of them they're like dad jokes to be honest Mm -hmm. where it's like oh he just lost his head or whatever you know i was like that is a dad joke and he's making a dad joke and everybody rolls their eyes but loves it right it's like the the popsicle stick idea like you make a joke so bad that everybody loves laughing at how bad it is and so everybody's laughing and you and and you win you're talking about the jokes on popsicle sticks yes okay yeah Yeah, like people always ask, like, why are they so bad? Can't they write better jokes? It's like, if you write a better joke, it's going to end up, like, only landing for certain people. But if you write a joke so bad, then everybody's going to laugh at how bad the joke is, and then everybody's happy. That's how it was explained to me anyways, why popsicle sticks are so bad. Um, (laughs) That's an interesting theory. And, and, and like makes- so many, so many of these jokes too, I, I'm going to say this quote unquote jokes. Cause like when you look at them written out, I wouldn't call it a joke, but same way I wouldn't call like what's on a pop- popsicle stick, like a joke, because there's like some connective tissue missing. Like, like when, uh, when, when Howard dies, he's like, I'm smarter than you, Jack. I'm smarter. I'm smarter. And then he gets his head knocked off by the light. Right. And then Jack I'm says, taller. yeah, well, I'm taller. And you're like, well, <laughs> it's funny, but I wouldn't call that a joke. <laughs> I don't know what I would call it. They're a series of, of barely connected statements. Um, they're connected by a decapitation. But it's like, I'm laughing because the guy died and I'm really happy he's dead. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I was like, laughing that he said something that stupid right after. Like, <laughs> yeah. that was the best thing he could come up with. Right. Or like, if anything, I'm, like, shorter. Like, I'm shorter. I'm yeah, shorter would have made more sense. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's because like I, now he doesn't have a head, so he's yeah, a head yeah. shorter yeah. than 
Oh. So now I'm taller because you just lost your head. Oh, I just got it. But you're right, Jesse. I'm just a half a step ahead of you. The context definitely <laughs> would make more sense for him to say shorter because he just got his head knocked off by a light. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. with you there. Or like this other joke. What is it? You're crazy. Jack's saying, you're crazy. You're crazy. And Howard says, no, poor people are crazy, Jack. I'm eccentric. Because he's rich not, now. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it looks like a joke. <laughs> looks like a joke. It smells like a joke. Is it a joke? Is it a joke? I don't know. Yeah, I enjoyed it. That was a good joke. Yeah. He's yeah. like, oh, yeah. You shot me. I can't believe it. They're giving you a medal for shooting me, you little prick. Harry, you told me to. Like, yeah, sure, they're stupid jokes, but like at the same time, they're exactly what you expect. Yes. They're exactly yeah. the joke that you expect to go there, and it feels really nice to have it occur. Like, you're like, yes, I know what's going to happen next, and then it happens. You're like, see, I knew, and that, like, it feels comfortable. I know where I am. I know who I am. I'm enjoying this. It kind of sounds like a previous thing that Jan DeBont worked on, Die Hard. Yeah. It sounds like it, I mean, this is Die Hard on a bus. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it has Die Hard-like quips, right? Yeah. Pond Gruber says, we've got a real cowboy. And then Bruce Willis goes, yippee-ki-yay. You're like, oh, it's like a cowboy thing. Yeah. All right, cowboys, yeah. yeah. And then he's like, and then when he kills that guy and has the, the Santa suit on him, and he's like, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. You're like, oh, that's right, because it's a Santa thing. <laughs> like, like they're, 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 they're contextually connected. However, they but are it's also the action sort of movie like, lingo that we know. Yeah and, yeah, and it's also like, that's sort of, you imagine that's what would be going on in your head if you were wearing a Santa suit and like <laughs> yes. with a machine gun. You know, like, no, I, I would say oh, that. Oh, oh. I would say, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> who wants some presents? <laughs> bum, 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 bum. <laughs> yeah. I wish yeah. I was that like, intelligent. I'd just be like, who's oh, been naughty and who's been nice? I definitely, I definitely would have said, now I have a, now I have a machine gun. You, ho, ho, ho. That's what I would have said. That's what you would have said. Yeah. I'm into calling people hoes tonight. Yeah, I guess that's what um, tonight's about. My nostalgia, since we got plugged off track, uh, I saw this for the first time just like two years ago with my my wife and my sister-in-law who was staying with us for a little bit. And I, I think my sister-in-law, shout out to you, Elena, if you're out there. She had already seen it. And she's like, yeah, that's fun. And I had never seen it. And we, we turned around. It was a great night. We had a great time. We were laughing. It was surprisingly enjoyable. I didn't think it would be that fun because like, Dan, I'd seen it in parts. I didn't know that it was so excitingly made you know like every scene is very exciting i was not bored and sometimes what can happen with these action movies is they can they can just be kind of boring you know they can bludgeon you over the head with too much violence or there's like too long a space between violence or the scenes themselves are not kinetic and this has all of it even Hmm. when they're doing stuff that i'm not not entirely sure makes sense like when he gets on the cart and they they (laughs) wheel the winch out and like, <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Honestly. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> I think everyone is right. Like, you're crazy. We shouldn't do this. There's a very low level of, of chance of success, chance of success that this is going to have. And also just using physics, like when you get that far away from you being towed, aren't you going to start like wildly fishtailing? And like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's a straight line. It's going to be fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. And like the moment they need to turn, wouldn't he just like the cable's right. not going to line up and... <laughs> Yeah, I kept thinking about that. Like, what's going to happen when they turn right now? Because yeah. they're they're yeah. at LAX. They have to turn around. They're <laughs> on a loop. And they never do. Because, like, the tire blows up and they keep on running over chunks of the tire, which ruins the tire even more. 
So they do keep going around in a circle. It just it just doesn't affect him at all. It just seems like it's going straight. And I like oh, that, yeah. that there's nothing for him to grab or do except stab a screwdriver <laughs> through a metal plate into the gas. Okay, so so <laughs> this is the this is the container which houses the gasoline to make the, the bus move. It's on the bottom of the bus. Rocks hit this thing all the time, and it possibly like a curb too. So you'd have to make sure this is a reinforced thing. But Keanu, in his hour of desperate need, can just slam a screwdriver through. Well, he's super not strong. an issue. He's, he's just like really. <laughs> well, you don't understand. Keanu is strong. That's right. He can do whatever he wants. He's Keanu. You see, but in 1994, that wasn't true. He wasn't Keanu yet. That's well. That's right. He became this, Keanu. He was this is what makes him Keanu. Yeah. yeah, this is this what makes the man the man because he's just in a bunch of terrible movies before and after until the Matrix. He was just well, Bill. Wait, no, was, no, wait. Was he Bill hold or on, Ted? Hold on. Bill and Ted. Yeah. Mm. Was, was he Bill or is he Ted? I don't remember. Oh wow! Okay, good. I'm not the only one. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that that was my nostalgia for it, though, uh, Mike. I have no nostalgia for this movie. I watched it for the first time like a week and a half ago, and I can't believe it took me this long to see Speed. <clears throat> it is um, it's a ton of fun. It was a great he's, time. I hold on, he's Ted. The only reason <laughs> I remember is because you killed Ted, you medieval dickweed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sorry, continue, Mike. No, 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 that's okay. Uh, What I've discovered, though, with this and with Con Air um, is that my wife loves action movies. Like, she is a big (laughs) fan of of the old uh, 90s action flick, I guess. Nice. Um, Mm -hmm. She loves it. She's like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. And I agree. It's so so much fun. I like like that about her. I, I feel like... I could never have predicted that that would be the case. But now that I have this information, I'm like, oh, it's it's incredibly theatrical. Yeah. You know, it's very staged. It's just about the experience of it. And so you don't think about it when you're watching it. And that's nice because sometimes with, with especially recent movies, they really want you to think about it. Yeah, everything has to be full of like these serious, like, well, you know, like choices. Like, is it okay to kill the bad guy? Like, no, yes, it is. Like, kill the bad We're guy. We're going to kill that guy. <laughs> kill, yeah, no, like, he sucks. Like, kill him. Like, like, please. We have to do that now. And if we can't kill him, like, when we set a trap for him and he doesn't die, or we go after him, we're going to be pissed to his face. Like, shit, we, I wanted you dead. Yeah. And he's going to be like, ha, 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 I know you did. He, yeah. he, I hey, take your milk. Where all the mustaches? <laughs> yeah, but it was also, I mean, like, I have the last 10 years just, like, for work driven all around LA and all on all of these freeways and and it's just it's very fun to see that in a movie in general and uh like the different parts of LA that I've spent a good amount of time in show up in a movie like they always do it's like oh wow can you believe it LA's in a movie again <laughs> co-starring, co-starring Sandra Bullock Dennis Hopper and Los Angeles City of Los Angeles <laughs> Uh, that was yeah, that was fun. That's my uh, lack of nostalgia for this movie. But you made up for it because your favorite scene is my favorite scene in this movie is the infamous bus jump. Mm-hmm. I love that scene. Yes. It is mm-hmm. it is the most problematic scene in the movie, probably when it comes to physics and uh, whether this would work. Yeah, um, and, and Keanu has that weird theory, that weird economic theory that he espouses that is, is quite troubling. I'm not referring to anything. <laughs> you. T- this is me punching my time card. This is me punching my time card out of this one. I'm here to make jokes, and that's it. That's it. Yeah. No, not problematic from like a philosophical perspective, but from like a the way that the freeways no, no, no. are lined up. Remember, like the remember bus they, would they, just go. 
boom. No, they said they're, they said they're on an incline. Yeah, but so, they're not. No, no, no. Let me, let me tell you this. They're on an incline. <laughs> the road they're jumping on is higher. <laughs> I know. It is higher. So they're, they're, you just, everyone would just die. Everyone would be dead. <laughs> what would happen is that like, like so, the top, the, the, the freeway would go through the, the top of the bus and everyone would be decapitated. Their capital like, would yeah. be decapitated. <laughs> it would be, it would be horrible. <laughs> so so I, I listened to, uh, it was like a 20 minute long episode I'm going to forget the name of it. It's a, a podcast. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Behind the Scenes, something like that. And this guy just deep dives into like an in, a single scene in a movie and he does the bus jump. Ooh. And oh, that's awesome. It, it's actually amazing. So they did a real bus jump to to film this. <laughs> they jumped a bus 107 feet. Okay. That's wild. So this is like, wow. that's twice the length that they say that, you know, the gap yeah, is. Yeah, they said it was 50 feet. Yeah. Right. And so. Technically, like they did it. It's actually physically possible. Now they had like a ramp. Exactly. Yeah, very, because you can yeah. you can see the bus go up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Up. Well, it it's wild it, you you see it like like coming down. It is and and I heard that, you know, like it goes out of the shot and that was on accident. They didn't intend yeah. for that to happen. It goes too they didn't high. Think it would go that high. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they built the ramp really well and they got the bus going. But yeah, not not the way the movie portrayed it exactly. Yeah, but it, it was that- fun because, like, okay, you you say like, oh, people would know. People in LA would know that there was you know work going on. So in the first they place, would. again, I will state my case that the 105 was being built. It was not built yet, so people didn't know what the hell was going on with that freeway. You already, you already, you already said this. But in the Jesse second, I disagree. In the second place, it is very possible at any time, any place, road work could be happening. Where a part of the road is gone, anywhere you drive in LA, not, any day, not that extensively. It's it's a it's it's an elevated freeway. It's possible. You're not I'm just going to remove you, part of the elevated. I, freeway. I have spent months of my life driving around LA, and you never know. What's You've never happen. seen that. You don't know what I, I've seen. I'm telling you, you don't you've never seen that. Okay, I've never seen that. Exactly. Okay, you know what? I've never, but, you know, I, I haven't driven months around LA, but I have like in my hometown growing up and in Phoenix, where they have always been building a freeway and no one ever goes on it because everybody knows not to. Because Jesse's also a California native, <laughs> we have to say. I'm just, I'm going to. Well, this was an extenuating <laughs> circumstances. I, I don't understand. This was, where this is semantics. The map says point. that it's but there. I just, I, I just love like. <laughs> I didn't know that we'd be fighting about this part of it. This I thought very we'd be fighting about yeah. the bus actually jumping. I didn't know we'd be fighting about the fact that they're on that freeway. That's really <laughs> I just love how everyone's just like so pissed off. Like, how did we not know? How could we not know that the freeway wasn't here? That was great as well. They do have helicopters. Like, I would have thought that someone would have gone ahead. Yeah. to make sure that in that in if we're going 50 miles an hour that's a little bit less than a mile a minute right yeah so maybe go like, go ahead like 20 miles yeah. just to see and then check have, back. Have has anybody they're all cops they have to know their way around town has anybody watched the local news recently do they know if 105 is finished no oh well i guess maybe we shouldn't go that way that's, that's a, oh, but but they they needed to go that way because of all the traffic they were like hey there's all the traffic, so let's go on like the place it's, that, it's, that's almost done. It's very nice that that the police, you know, are trying to minimize civilian casualties. Um, I really think that Zack Snyder, when he was making, you know, Justice League and those, was really cribbing from the LAPD in this movie's playbook to not endanger innocent civilians in in, in the movies. 
I appreciate that. But we do have to move along. <laughs> I love the bus jumping scene. It's bus a great scene. Great. It's great. It's great. It makes no uh, sense. It's lovely. Well, one last In the thing about the bus way, jump. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. One last thing I, I learned about this is that they uh, invented basically a special chair that the driver can sit in because they actually did the jump with the driver in there. And I guess up to this point, um, anytime they filmed these big car jumps, which happen all the time in the 90s, people were messing up their backs because they'd land and it was like, you know, oh, you yeah, spine problems like every single time. And so the guy actually that was like the stunt director for this scene, he built a basically a big chair that like hangs in the middle of the of the bus and it's on bungees on either end. So it basically just bounces in the air. And uh, yeah, it like it kind of changed the way they film these kinds of scenes with like big vehicles and, you know, doing jumps and flips and stuff. So yeah, shout out to like That's awesome. the, the stunt <laughs> just, director for figuring this, this new gimmick out for how to shoot I'm just this kind of about like, like if I was the stunt driver and you're in the air and you land and you're bouncing everywhere, just like cue me just shitting myself. I'm just like, boom. I'm, I'm suspended by these bungees. Terrified. That would be so scary. Cause like it's, yeah. it's one thing to get a bus that's being jumped, but then like you're free falling in the middle of the bus. So scary. The actual the actual bus awesome. that did the jump completely like almost exploded. Like, <laughs> like all the tires came, just came bursting off, and the entire bus was just destroyed. So okay, I'm really happy Amazing. you mentioned that because like I've been. It's not that I don't believe you, but this sounds completely unbelievable, and I really <laughs> need to do. I need to see some videos, something confirming this because I cannot imagine this actually working. But yeah, if if it almost explodes, I can kind of see that. Yeah, okay. they had they had six different buses that they used, and the one that did the 107 foot jump completely like obliterated on impact. So okay, nice. so you you can jump the bus; it just won't make it. Yeah, I mean, you won't make it. <laughs> the bus will make it. You won't. you won't make it. Hey, everyone, jumping in real quick to tell you about something I'm personally very excited for. It's SIRS Furniture, S-I-R-R-S Furniture. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast for a long time, then you know about Sir. He was. We did the, the crossover with the uh, Before Sunset trilogy. He's been on a couple of our episodes. I've been on a couple of his. Um, he's a dear friend. And he happens to make, besides a fantastic podcast, beautiful, custom-made wood cutting boards of, of whatever flavor of wood you want in whatever kind of design you want. It's, it's beautiful custom work. And with summertime coming up, I know that I'm going to be out barbecuing. I'm going to be out going to birthday parties. I'm going to be going to a couple of weddings and it's sometimes hard to pick, you know, what to give somebody, uh, what to give a friend of mine. Sir's furniture is your one-stop shop for cutting boards, charcuterie boards, coasters, Anything that you can really think of that is handmade, handcrafted, and designed woodcraft. You've been using a small plastic board for years. You know you have. Or, you know, take a look in your kitchen at those dried out twigs that you call cutting boards. And go to SirsFurniture.com, S-I-R-R-S Furniture.com slash N-Y-F-M. And check out the wide selection of beautiful handcrafted wooden cutting boards that are on display there. 
Now, listen, let me tell you a little bit ago when Mike welcomed in his third child to the world, um, Jesse and I banded together and we we pitched in on on one of the big Bertha, I think it's called the Martha of the, the cutting boards. It was big, had a nice channel around the side and we put Mike's last name right in the middle and this board was gorgeous. I was upset that I didn't have Mike's last name so that I couldn't just keep it for myself. It was the single most beautiful cutting board I've ever seen. So that whether you love to cook, barbecue, or just need that perfect gift, Sir has what you need. So for 10% off, use our link, Sir's Furniture. That's S-I-R-R-S furniture.com slash N-Y-F-M. That'll tell him that we sent you. Awesome. Speaking of, of obliterated, uh, my, my favorite scene is when they're getting people out of the elevator in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. This is this is one of this is actually a, a fear of mine. Ever since my dad let me know that it was possible, he's like, if you ever get stuck in an elevator and they open the doors and you're not aligned with your floor, don't get off until you're aligned with the floor. He said, otherwise the elevator could drop and you'd be cut in half. Yeah. <laughs> and I've always Jeez. remembered that. And every time they get someone out of an elevator that's slightly elevated, it really, it really stresses me out, even oh. though I know it's going to be okay because I know how quickly elevators can drop. They, they can drop instantaneously faster than you can mm-hmm. move. When the elevator keeps like shuddering down as they're trying to pull people out, uh, it's terrifying. Very exciting. Yeah. Got my palms all wet. We're like 12 yeah. minutes into this movie and I'm like, holy cow, what a thrill ride. I like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought for sure someone was get like losing a limb or or more. Me I, too. I totally forgot it turns uh, out okay. I was expecting yeah. something terrible. Yeah, and that, that was that's the reason why that was my favorite. And I like that they're setting up Dennis Hopper as this like really evil terroristy kind of guy. I just like this this opening plot. Because it's also kind of makes sense, you know, like what you're saying about you think that this is going to start with Keanu on the bus. And really, like, in this three-act movie, act two is the bus. Mm-hmm. And act three is what happens after the bus. So the elevator sequence, although it functions as a prologue, is kind of our act one. It's setting up all of our necessary characters, mm-hmm. um, with the exception of Sandra Bullock. You get to meet everybody. And that's that's kind of cool. It, it drops you into this, this kind of world. And this world where... This is like a pocket dimension next to our own. <laughs> We're like, we have this crazy bomb dude who's running around torturing people for money, quote unquote. But it just seems like a lot of work for some money. <laughs> and Keanu is preternaturally gifted to fight him, I guess. Okay, wait, why is this guy doing what he's doing? Is, is he just like, is he mad because he just got a gold watch and a shitty pension? Sidebar. So... It's a bunch of, it's kind of whatever the movie wants him to be at that one moment. Sometimes he's like, it's not about the money, Jack. And then other times he's like, it's about the money, Jack. <laughs> like he's, he really wants the money, but he also is upset that he lost his finger and he has a bad pension and no one appreciates what he does. And he wants to be known as like the foremost ballistics bomb expert in the country or world or whatever. Cause he settled out in LA, but he is from Atlanta. That's the, uh, that's, isn't that what it is? We saw the Atlanta PD. That's the newspaper article that gets pulled up mm, um, yeah. when they finally find him. So he has a lot of different motivations and it seems like the movie is, it, he's not quite like a Joker type, but he's pretty close to a Joker where he's just kind of like mindlessly evil. And he has the barest of backstories to help you understand why, like he doesn't have no motivation, but he has very little. 
he's like angry and he didn't get enough in his pension and he He probably got spanked too much as a kid doesn't like Like, piano because he's like an artist and his favorite food is cheese and he's lactose intolerant yeah he's got a lot of stuff going (laughs) on (laughs) is he like I, i i was trying to figure out they have this ongoing joke if you call it a joke where they're like hey pop quiz you know, and they, they'll ask a question about a situation of like, you're at an airport and the, you know, he has a hostage. What do you do? And he's like, you shoot the hostage. And they, they bring that up a few times that almost like these cops are, well, first of all, are they like normal cops that just happen to be called into these or are they like emergency cops? This definitely kind of feels like a, like a major crimes unit, <laughs> you know, okay. like they if, seem like SWAT, they seem SWATty. They're like bomb experts, right? Okay. But but also like they're pretty good at high speed chases. And yeah. Keanu, for being a bomb expert, doesn't seem to know jack shit about bombs. Like he really does not know. He's like, "Tell me what I'm looking at," and the guy's like, "How would I know?" Like, like we're on a we're on a landline, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I love that it's only his partner that understands bombs at all. So it's like they're not part of the bomb squad, but they were called in for a bomb. They're the only two that can really get close to it. Mm-hmm. And he knows bombs, but then he dies of a bomb. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It seems like they make a lot of decisions emotionally. Like, <laughs> I have to say, you know, like they should not have just gone into the bomb dude's house. Didn't say that. Just because Jeff Daniels just like goes through the window and then. Well, Oops. they didn't have they didn't have like bomb robots back then. I, I'm sure they just had to but walk Jeff in. Jeff Daniels there. just just goes in there. There's he was a really bus hungover. that he has a hungover. bomb on it, and they have to find the guy. They're gonna I mean, go to the bomb maker's house, and they're gonna be like, "Ha! Ah, surprise! Got you, dummy!" Like we you didn't see this coming, even though you almost yeah. outsmarted us the last time, you nefarious evildoer. I, I, you know, I like, like, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I think he was really hungover. That's that's, that's he was pretty hungover. I think it makes sense. It, I'm not even sure if it's legal because you do need a warrant to go there. They're the major crimes unit. That see, that is what we're 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 asking way too much of of this movie, guys. Like, let's oh, I'm not asking anything, we're going too deep. Like, like, let's let's (laughs) Jesse Jesse just wanted to know his his motivations. That's all I did just want to know the motivations. And and here, I think, I think the answer is. There's a bunch of thin threads for you to say, oh, well, maybe mm-hmm. I'll think about that later and I'll just keep enjoying what, what I'm doing because I'm sure something's there. No, if you pull the thread, I think there's there's absolutely nothing. He's the archetypal um, bad guy. That yeah. is a big part of it. He's just he's just a bad guy. Sidebar ended. Dan, your favorite scene of this film. I mean, I love so much in this. I, I think, honestly, the getting people off the elevator Definitely, it was a huge one. The whole elevator scene, like I said, was a huge win in my book. It was really well executed. But the the scene that I <laughs> felt a whole lot of relief, and I, it was almost like I didn't realize how uptight I felt until, until the end when they were actually getting the people off the bus. I was like, wow, I have felt so much tension. And like, I've wanted these people so badly to, to survive. Like you do get to kind of love all the characters on the bus. I think that was something really cool that this movie did is it wasn't just Sandra Bullock and, and Keanu Reeves that you care about. You actually care about almost everybody on the bus. Um, I love Ortiz. Ortiz is awesome. I wanted Ortiz to survive so bad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they could have so easily like killed them off one by one or something, but 
almost all of them survive except for that one lady and who, I, who nobody really liked. I never really yeah, liked her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why it was okay that she died. <laughs> Collateral damage. She's um, kind of whiny. She's, the, yeah. you know, every, you got to have a sacrifice. She's the sacrifice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is Jeff Daniels, though. He's the sacrifice. That was sad. That yeah, was a sad one. Yeah. Oh. So just that scene of them getting off the bus, I loved. I felt a lot of relief and uh, catharsis, if that's the word. Jesse, what's yours? Real quick, what's his name? Je- uh, Jeff, Daniels. Jeff, Jeff Daniels. Daniels. His name is Harry in here. His name yeah. is also Harry and Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yeah, just yeah. two Harrys? <laughs> just two very different Harrys. And it's just, it, it's so strange. It's like, they keep, why why did they do that? They could have changed his name up just a little. Is it a extended universe? <laughs> this is what happens after the events of Dumb and Dumber. He, 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 no, no, he did the dog car. He didn't, he didn't die in speed. It, it just severely impacted his brain. So he has a lot of shrapnel in his brain, and now he's hairy. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. All right. So Dumb and Dumber is first. He becomes the, he becomes the undercover cop. Remember? Remember at the end of Dumb and Dumber, he's wearing the, uh, the, the jacket. Like, like, what if they shot you in the head? Yeah. What if they shot me in the head? Anyway. So he's wearing the jacket and he works undercover to like expose the, the kidnapper guy. So from there, he joins the LAPD because he realized this is the life for him. And he has become the foremost bomb expert. Where's Lloyd? He left Lloyd behind. Uh, Lo- Lloyd is probably dead. <laughs> <laughs> in, all, in all honesty, yeah. yeah Lloyd would dead. not survive on his own. <laughs> uh, but my favorite scene is just uh, when the bus driver gets shot. So Sandra Bullock has to take over and immediately she takes the bus onto surface streets. And the, the surface street scene is, is my favorite scene. She's plowing into all sorts of cars. <laughs> the bus doesn't even budge. I mean, they, the cars just kind of go flying out of the way. Uh, they hit a like a, a baby carriage and it turns out to be full of cans because I was about to be horrified because I oh, forgot yeah. about that. I was too. I, go, oh, I was no. like, this took a dark <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> <laughs> just, just killing dark. babies? And no, it's just it's cans everywhere. It's like, oh, okay, because also you think uh-huh, it's, it's... LA a, has a homeless problem. Good joke. It seems no, no, like it's, know, it's, no, no, they're, they're pre-squashing the cans. She's yeah. actually helping. Oh, she's helping. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's, uh, you know, like, oh, I just got a ticket recently. Oh, for what? Speeding. And, you know, another fu- another funny little quip there. It's great. That. But just seeing the bus actually travel and, and just run into a bunch of things, that let you know what the stakes of the movies were. And it's so much fun. I have another quote from that scene. Uh, Miss, can you handle this bus, Annie? Oh, sure. It's just like driving a really big Pinto. <laughs> Car humor. Because <laughs> Pintos right. suck. They're tiny. <laughs> They're really small. Yes. That's a great scene. That's a really good scene. Actually, like we pretty much got the only the only scene we didn't really touch on is is the end. I, I, I know. I was actually gonna I was leaving that for someone else well, to I, choose. I kind of feel like as soon as the bus explodes and the plane explodes, like I don't know. That's kind of the end of my favorite oh. part of the movie. Well, wait, wait, wait. What about I, I, them sliding I, out under the bus? It's great. And like rolling <laughs> that that. and like like, like yeah. holding each other. Such romantic cones it's happening. Incredible. <laughs> they're like it's roses, incredible. but they're cones, and they're slapping them. It's, it's yeah. so beautiful. Made me think of the, the Titanic yeah. a little bit. There was room. I, I can't pick the, the last scene, though, because the last scene is the one that's always irritated me the most, 
when they're on the subway, his idea is to speed it up. And they're going to skip the tracks, he says. So speed it up to go as fast as, as the subway can possibly go. Hey, it worked the first time with the bus and the road. <laughs> if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yes. I guess so. But he just says, let's skip the, the tracks at this turn. And they don't even do that. They just keep going. Like, why not just slow it down? Why not? He could have done that. Why not? It seems yeah. like that would be a good idea, actually. So I'm I'm a fact. little I'm a little irritated at the final scene too because Keanu has that really badass line where he says I'll rip your spine out I swear to God and it's awesome because like I've never heard someone say that because yeah. <laughs> it's it's like it's really intense and the bad guy I actually have this complaint about a lot of 90s and 80s action movies is like the bad guy's really bad and then he dies really quickly that kind of annoys me I like it when the bad guy dies after like a good fight where like he really gets the stuffing kicked out of him. Like, that's more satisfying for me because you spend mm-hmm. two hours hating someone and they are dead in 10 seconds. And you're kind of like, like, you feel good that they're gone, but it's more like, I don't know. It, it's it's like if you if you have your trash bag and you're taking it out to the trash can and it kind of rips and it sprays trash everywhere and you have to spend so long picking it up and putting it away. When it's finally done, you're like, well, finish with that. But like, you don't feel satisfied. You just feel still kind of annoyed that you had to pick up all that trash. That's kind of how I feel about this guy. He just gets his head knocked off and he's done. Like, why couldn't he get, like, get his head, like, in Con Air? Remember how, how John Malkovich dies, like, five times? Yeah, that was satisfying. So he just kept dying. <laughs> Cyrus the Virus died, like, three times. And it was awesome. And this one, I don't know. Maybe he, like, gets hit by the pole and then falls off and, like, gets electrocuted on the track. And then maybe like rats come and eat him or something. I, I don't know. I think, I mean, like they were going for realism in this movie as opposed to Con Air. That was the difference. Oh, they're going for realism. In this movie. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, I just, you know, like, or like if he hits with the light and then it like splits him in half, but then he's like still alive. And then Keanu comes he's down like, and like, stumbling, like, oh, and, like, and then grabs like, the his spine splits. and then like rips it out. Yeah. Of him. And then it says fatality. Keanu wins on the screen. And, like, <laughs> or like if he's up there and he gets shot and then harry comes back from the dead and like lights him on fire and then they both like kick him off and then they high five in a freeze frame and that's how the movie ends i'm just gonna keep going with ideas until someone's like all that way worse i i like this you know i kind of like the sudden death i like it hate it no i i like the idea that you could have a really big bad guy and you know what the worse you are the lamer of a death you get I, like Harry Jeff Daniels, I thought he got a more emotional. He he got a better send off, right? Oh, oh yeah, now things are really turning in the movie, and like that was really sad, and everybody's trying to deal with it f- for a very brief amount of time. He's also a side character, so clearly you can't dwell on it too much. But but for this bad guy, it's just like ah, uh, you know, he he gets his head knocked in with a sign. He gets the the quip. He's done. That's it. That's all somebody like that deserves. I like that. See, that, make, that makes intellectual sense. It doesn't make emotional sense. Like, it doesn't make me feel good. It only, it, it, it makes me think good. Did that make sense? <laughs> like, it's noble, but it's not, I'm not, in, I'm not watching this movie for nobility. I'm watching it for pure entertainment. It would be more purely entertaining to be, mm-hmm. have the catharsis. To of go a over the top death. with it? Because the movie's pretty over the top. Yeah, but the catharsis also, I don't think it comes from the villain in the 90s movies. Like, the villain are just, they're just an obstacle. They're just an obstacle you need to bat out of the way when you have the opportunity to do it. 
I thought that's catharsis is, is the overcoming of an obstacle and seeing the, the like emotionality. Yeah, it is the emotionality part, but I'm just sticking not with the emotionality, just purely like, oh, they're an obstacle for, for the focus to be on the, on the good guy. Uh, and that's it. Like it just goes right back to Keanu and, and what, what's going on with him and him and Sandra Bullock. That's what's really important about the movie. Well, we, yeah, we, I, th- we I think that, I point. think that's what the death like happening that way. I think that's what tells us about what it tells us about the, what the movie's about. Because if you right? really like, think like, about it, though, like Dennis Hopper is more the romantic lead than Sandra Bullock. <laughs> He's in most of the movie. He's in almost all of the movie. He's in way more of it than Sandy B. And he and, and Keanu, they have kind of a back and forth, you know. He, he, he plays with Keanu. He he thinks it's a very. I, I, I'm I'm agreeing with you, Jesse. Like, I think, I think, like, <laughs> yes. not really seeing this I'm relationship just, just, correctly. Let's just ignore this guy over here. I'm agreeing with you. Uh, yeah, guys, no. You like, guys, like, enjoy the four- your quick fill and deaths all you <laughs> want. Then Keanu should have dumped him first and then killed him. That's yeah. What <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, we're gonna have to disagree on this point and move on to get to. I guess like we've got a, we've got a half and half kind of question here. I think they kind of go hand in hand. They could be, they're a little bit different, but Dan, Jesse, Mike, you guys were all kind of discussing about, they don't make them like they used to question mark. Yeah. Well, okay. So like for me, like when we turned off this movie, I was like, Oh man, they just don't make them like this anymore at all. Like, like this is amazing. Like this was a great age of cinema when they made like these one off or I guess they tried to do sequels then too. There's a certain it's smaller maybe than most of the action movies that we get nowadays. Like I think that the prime primary source of action movies is like Marvel movies. Those are action movies. And they're these big deals and they're all connected to each other and they all have like this serious thing about like, I don't know, whatever. Some There's a multiverse and some madness. I like yeah. But like the like here it's just like here's a guy. He's just trying to get some speed or go uh, a certain. Um. <laughs> Did you watch the movie, Mike? <laughs> the movie's about drugs. <laughs> yeah, we're just doing all that speed. I know that's the title, but. <laughs> no, he's just trying to like keep people alive. It's like. You... No, he's trying to slow down the whole movie. He just wants it all to stop. <laughs> no, he's just trying to like keep some people alive. He's trying to do his job. He's like, he's just a good guy. And there's just a bad guy. It's black and white. And like, it's over the top. But like, we don't have this massive budget CGI thing where we're like doing all this crazy stuff. It's like, hey, we're actually doing this physically and you can kind of see it. And they couldn't. They couldn't do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like they could. And like, you can kind of see what's going on. You can kind of see where it like isn't real. 30 to 37 million dollar budget. This film made 350 million dollars. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So this is a mid-budget movie. An action movie has to be over 100 mil, basically. Pretty much, right? Most yeah. most of them now, yeah. Even like even like the Netflix stuff, like that uh, that one uh, Extraction with Chris Hemsworth that had the really notable like one shot, quote unquote, even though it's stitched together pretty obviously. Like even that was very expensive. Like you can't really do an action movie for under sub 50. Like I think the first John mm-hmm. Wick was sub 50. Yeah. And even that's very contained, right? That's just like, the action scenes are like in dimly lit, lit nightclubs and they're shooting, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. And I think a big part of that, like you're talking about Marvel, is that the, the rise of um, the, the ease of CGI. Why why make it real when you can just put it in the computer? Like, who cares? Yeah, it's it's the rise of CGI and then the rise of franchising and like 
movie studios running it more like a business rather than trying to output not art, but like entertainment for like lots of different groups of people and not focusing as much on, on smaller mid-budget movies too. Because this is just a small mid-budget movie that I'm sure they didn't even know if it would do well. Because it's not like Keanu's like an established movie star until this comes along. I don't think Sandra Bullock is as big of a deal as she would become either. Um, no, no, not even close. She had, she had, has multiple credits before this, but she's not, you know, n- nothing nothing was successful because she was in it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, we just, yeah, I, I don't want to say they don't make them like they used to anymore, even though I do think it's technically changed. It's more that, like, y- you don't go to the theaters and see a mid-budget movie with unknown actors suddenly, like, spiral out of control and you have a mega hit come out of nowhere. Every time Blumhouse makes a movie, that's the only time that that is that that is the case. Because Blumhouse, like like Paranormal Activity, I think the first Paranormal Activity is still the most famous, most profitable mm-hmm. movie ever made because it was made for like five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and that's what they do. Budget movie. Yeah, they just they pump out like you get a million bucks, you get a million bucks, and it makes a hundred million. They're the only studio that does that, and that's why they they attract talent. Like I mean, the, the movie The Black Phone just came out with Ethan Hawke, directed by Scott Derrickson. And Scott Derrickson did Doctor Strange. Before Doctor Strange, he did Sinister, also with Ethan Hawke, also for Blumhouse. Like, they just have a nice stable of people that they just keep cycling through. And, like, besides them, like, A24 is a distribution house, not a production company as much. Although mm-hmm. they, they do produce things. But they take big swings on stuff, and they're okay with missing. Blumhouse, Blumhouse doesn't miss. They've stacked the odds in their favor. You know, you can't lose on a $1, on a $1 million horror movie. You can't. Mm. It will make more than a million dollars. Easy. People love horror movies. Even if it sucks, people will watch it because it sucks, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's also not the same as like a huge mega hit, except for Paranormal Activity. That was a mega hit. No, they, they have mega hits a lot because like $100 million for Blumhouse is great. Even $80 million is great because you're making, you know, 8,000% your, your... Oh, your yeah. Investment. I'm not talking about in, in reference to the... Uh, I'm talking about making like a cultural phenomenon, right? Like that's not the same thing as speed and and everybody knowing speed for the rest of their life. Like I I, I don't know. Besides I don't, paranormal I don't, activity. Well, I, I mean paranormal activity, insidious, the purge, split, get out, happy death day, mm-hmm, us, purge, whiplash, purge one. black clansmen. They they have those. Like that's that's a ton. They are. I, I I don't. I'm not quibbling. I'm just saying this is the only production house that is close to that. And I think. I mean like you're producing whiplash like whiplash actually has a pretty big footprint and apparently the insidious movies have a big footprint. Yeah. And M night Shyamalan they're like, anytime there's a, there's a horror movie that has anything attached to it. It's because of Blumhouse. I think they're, that's, I'm, that's why I'm fighting for this point is I think they're the only ones that are doing this. And mm-hmm. to your point though, it's to the exclusion of all else. So, so when I, when I was reading this question from you, Mike, they don't make them like they used to, I was taking it more, as a genre like they don't make movies with these kind of quippy like like we were saying the the quips the the semi jokes the kind of the hero who's clearly he's he's very kind of one-dimensional like he's just a good guy trying to do the right thing he's not he's not really a loose cannon he's just like an intelligent smart guy that's trying to do the right thing and save people's lives. And he doesn't care about putting his own life on the line. Like that's, that defines everything. His character is the bad guy is just evil. Everything's very simple. And then there's a, there's a compelling premise, you know, this bus can't go below 50. Otherwise it blows up. 
that's the movie. And it's, it's like a very simple premise, simple characters, and everything's kind of relying on the enjoyment and the, like the high, high stakes and the kind of the character building of like who you care for. It's very like emotionally, you know, you invest in it emotionally by like how much you care for the people on the bus, how much you care for, you know, Jeff Daniels character. And I don't, I, that's how I understood the question is, did you mean it more like that? Like they don't make them like this movie in like it's, it's, creation or did you mean it more like they don't make them as kind of this low budget you know non-star actors creating a phenomenon yeah i kind of meant more i think what you were talking through um like a mid to large budget action movie that that doesn't take itself too seriously like yeah i mean like this is full there's a lot of emotional connection and stuff like that but at the same time it's very simple it's very like it's very simplistic there's not like big emotional like uh, internal struggle like the main character doesn't go through internal struggle it's entirely external all of the all of the struggle in the movie is like there's a bad guy trying to kill good people i need to stop them. that's great that's fun and like the jokes they don't have to be that good and that's fine and it's fun um well that's more know, that's more what i meant I, I would say they they do have that in in marvel but that's not going to be mid budget anymore. But but and also I, yeah. everything is more. I, I think bland. they take it way too serious. It takes itself way too seriously, though. Like I feel like Marvel is extremely well, serious it's, it's about also, the internal struggle going on. It's really sarcastic with all of these about, this, about yeah. the internal struggle. Like yeah. they're always mm-hmm. they're either uh, they're really weirdly self effacing or they're self referential. Like oh, can't be like the last time we did this. Like it's it's always about it's always about a cast oh, off quip. It's always meta. Yeah, and or 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 it's like batting it aside. It's very sarcastic and and sardonic. And actually, I heard a great point that was made that I think is exactly correct. Is that Marvel movies have decided that the way that Robert Downey Jr. played Iron Man is just the sense of humor that they should all have. Yeah, they should all have that sense of humor, with the exception of like point. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, everyone has to be slightly sardonic. And this movie is not really sardonic at all. Like it's very genuine. Um, it's mm-hmm. not interested in seeming cool, right? And every, just yeah. every character cool. in Marvel is seeming cool, right? This just yeah. is cool. Yeah. They don't because make cool movies anymore. When yeah. I was a kid, they made cool shit. When all these <laughs> new kids are coming up, they're like, this isn't cool. This just seems cool. That's what I say. Yeah. That's right. I, I really think it stems a lot from the franchising problem, though, because you have to make things more bland. You can't have strong, big characters, because if you have strong, big characters like Robert Downey, then then you end up changing the whole franchise around that person. So I, yeah, you need I mean, to tone was... everything down so that way you can have future expansion, basically. So That's, you have to tone down, yeah, you have to tone down music, character, even the action itself can't be that great because you need to make sure sequels aren't going to be overshadowed by this first one. That's why Chris Pratt is the ideal modern Hollywood leading man. He's just nothing. It's just nothing to him. You just look right through the man. He's a beefcake that's transparent. It's amazing. No personality. There's nothing that comes through on screen. Like it's no, almost he, marvelous he, to see. He's, he's oh, nice. Marvelous. He's he's like a nice guy. Uh, Andy Dwyer it, was when he peaked, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you know what he's really like. He looks exactly like the Lego character that he played. That's what that's what he looks like. In my, just like a little bland, little smiley face. Just... I, I actually love him as that guy. 
Lego movie is amazing. Because he's that guy. Because yeah. it's him. <laughs> um, anyway. I, I really like uh, Chris. I like him. I like the guy. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up. We do. There's more to talk about in, in terms of Keanu, but I think you'll just have to wait. Maybe we'll do a whole uh, Keanu series at some point. Constantine. Whoa. <laughs> I agree. If we do Keanu, I want to talk Constantine. Uh, but final question that we have to ask. Jesse, is this a dad movie? Also, would you show it to your kids? Oh, yeah. Also, when? <laughs> yeah, that. it's a dad movie. And I'd show it to my kids. Uh, oh, man, I really wish I could give them like the, the, the TV version cut. If that was so, I could probably show it to them when they're like 10. It's, it's a fun ride. I don't think there's anything really offensive in here. Uh, yeah, I with with the way it's shot now, probably a few years later. That's what I'm going to say. But even that almost seems too late. I don't know. I'm going to show this to my kids pretty soon. That would be so much fun. This seems like a just a standard action movie, and I can't wait for them to see it. Yeah, it's absolutely a dad movie. This is so... So much fun. It's so simple. It's It knows what it is, which is just a movie about a guy who wants, apparently just wants speed. <laughs> going, <laughs> Where can I get the speed? Dan? Yeah. Well, there is that service called VidAngel where oh, you can like... I'm cutting. You can, if you talk about VidAngel, I'm cutting it out of this episode, Dan. We don't believe <laughs> No, no, that. no. I just say if we want a TV version... That's yeah. what you would have to do. That is what they do. You, you that's just immoral out, to use. You bleep out the <laughs> F word. That's it. I, like it's that would make it to where you could show it to your kids at 10. That's all I'm going to say. Wrong. About it. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I'm just saying if you want. To... No, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Probably the language is the thing that the language and a couple scenes of violence um, are going to prevent me from showing it too young. Probably 13. 14 they're they're old mm -hmm. enough to to hear that language mm -hmm. in my opinion mm -hmm. and yeah this is definitely going to be one that i probably won't think of it it'll probably just pop up on a list and i'll be like yeah that's the movie i'm in the mood for like pop it in it's going to be a fun ride and yeah definitely a definitely a dad movie for that reason that it's it's one i can't wait to show to my, to my kids and yeah it's just it's a really good time firmly agree this is definitely a dad movie. This is like one of those movies that made that defined dad movie. I feel like this would be one that that some people would would say was a dad movie almost pejoratively about it. But I, mean, I just a dad movie, just like speed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I disagree with the pejorative uh, aspect of, of that statement. Um, <laughs> I think that it's a dad movie in a good way. I think that it's fun to get, you know, black and white cops and robbers like easy morals. Uh, it's good to have that. It's good to sink into Sort of a relaxing moral universe. That's I love very that like fun. it wasn't revealed mm -hmm. that like Keanu's like under investigation by yeah. internal <laughs> affairs or something. You know, <laughs> it was for great. shooting I a hostage. Like I love. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I love like complicated, complex movies and things like that. Oh, I, I'm all for it. I think that uh, film is a great way for like difficult art to be presented to us. But I also think it's a great way to like have fun, and this is fun. I can't wait mm -hmm. to show it to my kids. I don't know. Like there is some like, like some of the violence is like a little, I mean, it's not like violent, but it's like, Oh, well that lady the does head. sort of like when the head gets the hit head. by the sign and it actually goes, but I didn't see that on TNT at all. I didn't remember yeah. that was happening, but I was like, Oh man, his, his head just went all the way back. <laughs> yeah. 
our enemies. Yeah. Hands are falling off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so probably like early teenage years, I think. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Definitely, I, I definitely want to show it to them. Like, I'm looking forward to them seeing it. I feel like I got to build them up to it with some stuff. Like, like show them stuff that isn't as, like, great, you know? Like, ridiculous or, like, it doesn't, they don't go, like, it goes full throttle. Speed is just like, no, we're doing this. We're going to go, we're going to jump the bus, right? It is It is a film called Speed. Yes. Yeah. I would not expect it to start slow. Yeah. I would um, be pissed. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's kind of, that's, that's how I'm trying to navigate my way into it. I'm not sure when yet. What about you, Vito? Between 9 and 13. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know what I could, what you could even do. Like there's, this is an action movie classic. I don't know what you can do to build up to action movie classics. I think talking about them too much is bad. I think building them up too much is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're classics because they've earned it. Yeah. So there's classics like this, I think that are just made very, very confidently and really excitingly. And there's classics like, like for instance, like Predator, which relies very much on its effects. And I don't think that is as good as it was 10 years ago. Definitely not as good as it was 20 years ago. For sure not as good as it was 30 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. It's relying on those effects. And look dated now. But like Die Hard. Die Hard is an action classic. It's excitingly made. It can stand the test of time. And I think for movies like that, I think it'll speak for itself. I just want to get a kid who's interested in seeing that. Because you know what? Some kids, they're not going to like action. You know, that's okay. I just want to make sure I want to feel out and make sure that my kid, when I show my kid, mm. uh, whichever one is on board with that and like wants to be thrilled. You know, it could also just be a movie that you put on and they like sort of walk in like dad's watching this weird movie. Of course. Yeah. About the bus that goes 50. Like who goes 50 these days? Yeah. In our, in our Tesla cars going, going yeah. 120. Who goes on buses these days? <laughs> What's a bus? Yeah. Why um, don't they just use Google Maps? Yeah. <laughs> what is that paper they have? I can't wait for for ten years from now where we just say a bus is like an automated car, but with a driver that does it for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So this is a dad movie. Dad movie all the way around, as it was around. always going to be. I mean, who, oh yeah, who would have said otherwise? But I'm really happy to have this talk with you guys, and we have to say we're just going to announce this is announced next three. It's easier that way. Um, we are doing uh, next week. We'll be uh, doing Cars, the Pixar film. Week after that, we'll be doing Speed Racer. Speed Racer! Yeah. And the week after that, finally closing out our Cars series, we're doing Mad Max, colon, Fury Road. It'll be very exciting. We're, we're going to be playing Guitars on Fire. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be fighting over Can't guzzling. wait to bring my fire guitar. I rarely get to bring that thing out. I never get to bring it out. Like, what's the occasion? <laughs> that one party was so <laughs> Jesse, it was a briss. What were you doing? <laughs> I brought it out to bonfires. It was the bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, well, for, from all of us at Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. I'm Jesse. Thank you for listening to this episode of Not Your Father's Movies. Please let us know what you think about movies and our discussions on our Twitter at NYFMovies on our Not Your Father's Movies Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram or email us at NotYourFather'sMovies at gmail.com. Also, please consider supporting us on Patreon. This podcast has cost us a lot of time, effort, and money. Please consider contributing and we will start sending you monthly newsletters, our bonus WhatsApp episodes, and even an NYFM mug. We hope to hear from you soon. 
Lastly, thank you to Max Augers for our awesome theme playing right now, and to Andy LaFave from Don't Dance for the remix that you hear at the beginning of every episode. Thanks again for listening to Not Your Father's Movie.